When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golic and Smitty. I'm Mike Golic. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to our holiday edition of Golic and nice. Smetty. Mike Golic Sr., Jess Smetana. Uh, so, Jess, while we have obviously a lot of football to cover between NFL, college, bowl games coming up, the playoffs coming up as well, it is my favorite time of the season. I don't know what your favorite holiday is. Mine is Christmas. Is yours Christmas or do you have a different season? Mine's technically college football bowl season, but since it falls around Christmas and New Year's, like I'll, I'll roll it all into one. First and foremost, do you have all your shopping done for Christmas? No, not even close. I have to get something for my brother-in-law, to get something for my mom. I have to get something for one of my friends. I already got my boyfriend his gift and I got my sister something and my dad. Those are kind of like the big three. The rest, like my mom's easy. She just wants a sweater. I just got to go buy a okay. sweater, pick out a sweater, something warm. She'll be happy. She'll cry. Brother-in-law, he gets a gift card. He has a store in Chicago that he loves. When I'm in Chicago, I'll go tackle that. So I'm doing well, but I'm not done yet. How about well, that's you? a great way to do it is get people like what they need, you know, and, and not just try and think of something. We're not doing anything crazy. We're not doing like $200, $300 gifts. These are like small right, things right. that I think, you know, like I got my sister a pair of, she's not going to listen to this because she hates sports, but I got her a pair of wool socks in Ireland that I've been waiting to give her. So she's going to love that. And it was small, but something, you know, nice and thoughtful. And, and those are the kind of genre of gifts. I remember meeting your sister. We could talk about anything on this podcast and she's not going to, she's not going to, she's not going to listen. If I called her right now and I was like, Hey, who's the head coach at Notre Dame? She would probably say like Brady Quinn or something. No no idea. See like, you know, like Mike, (laughs) My wife, Chris, and I, we don't really get gifts for each other either. I mean, you know, we've gotten each other gifts for so many years. and, and You've gotten each other everything. Right? Exactly. Like it's like, you're, then then I feel like unless you really see something that they want, but if I see something that she wants in September, I'm going to get it for her then. Now, I'll say this. When we were dating and early on in our marriage, I was a stud at getting gifts. So <laughs> when I was played for the Houston Oilers, we were, we were dating then and got engaged. I got married my third year into the league. So now I'm, I'm obviously shopping for gifts for her. And I was horrible with the timing. Luckily, I had a cousin down there. And we would go shopping actually in stores where today everything's done online. We would go to stores. But what I would do, Jess, I would go into these stores. And I knew her sizes and everything. And I would get, you know, a salesperson who was, you know, if they were working commission, they loved me. I'd see like a, say, let's just say like a leather jacket that I liked. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, okay, I like this jacket. I'd lay it down. And I'd said, create. I, I would leave it up to the person. <laughs> start giving me stuff that goes with this jacket. Make that the centerpiece and start putting things around it. 
That's smart. My my dad did that one year. He went shopping with some of his uh, male coworkers and they went to some department store and they were like, what? He was like, what would my 25 year old daughter like? And she picked out something that I absolutely loved. I'm still shocked to this yep. day how trendy of a pick it was. Um, but I think early on when you're in a relationship, the presents are a lot more important than once you've gotten through like four or five years, because the first year Lee and I were dating, he got me the KitchenAid stand mixer of my dreams, a gorgeous in the color I wanted. I don't even know how he knew what color I wanted. I must've mentioned it to him. And from that point on, it's all been downhill because he just can't, no. he can't beat it unless he gets me like another dog or something. Like there's just no, you're trying it. so hard early on. And for those out there that may be listening or watching and saying, wait, he bought her a, a, an instrument to you go to go cook in the kitchen. We, if you've listened to this long enough, you know that Jess loves to bake. So I could I use see, it every, I use it like three times a I, week. It's I great. could see what a phenomenal gift and what a smart move by him to get you that gift. But you're right. And plus, you kind of have each other, you know, so you're not trying to uh, maybe entice anymore impress, but, or yeah. impress is probably even, <laughs> it, which, which sounds horrible, doesn't it? It sounds so horrible. No, but it's, it's true. And also like, I don't, I don't need anything. Like, let's well, be honest. I live in Miami. I can get to go outside and see the sun every day and walk my dog. I'm very content with everything that I have. Man, I remember growing up and my parents, my dad would go out, God love him would try and buy my mom some things, different articles of clothing or whatever, right? And this is how it was just every year, Christmas morning, open presents. By Christmas evening or the next morning, all the gifts my dad bought my mom were sitting on the steps, ready and waiting to go back to the store as she was taking them back. <laughs> every time. I mean, every time it was, it was, I'm like, dad, God love you for trying, but man, it's just not Aww. working. Growing up, we, I had two older brothers. The rule is you all have to be awake. You all have to go out together. You know, if one wakes up earlier, you can't just go out on your own. And my brother Greg and I slept in the same room. They weren't really like um, the stacked beds, bunk beds. They were a little lower, like trundle beds, where one just kind of slid in the other. So it wasn't really, really high off the ground. But I was on the more the top bunk, uh, and, and Bob was in a different room. And Bob and Greg woke up one morning and were in trying to wake me up. I just, I just, for the life of me, would not, could not wake up. They literally just rolled me off the bed. They <laughs> rolled me off the bed. And so I hit the floor and woke up and then they were like, okay, let's go open present. So that, that, <laughs> Merry yeah, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about when you were growing up? How, how was it the, the Christmas morning? Yeah, my sister and I were pretty early risers. So we would be at the top of the stairs in our like little matching PJ sets. And my parents would be like, okay, you can come down. And I was hyper fixated on Playmobiles when I was a kid. I don't know if you know what they, those like plastic things, they're like people and you can like build rooms and have furniture. I honestly, I probably should have become an architect. Yeah. I, I am now realizing now that may have been a, a better career path than just whining about football all day. But um, I loved building the little Playmobil houses. So my parents, like they were, it was, I must've been so easy to shop for. Cause probably for like 10 years, all they had to get me was like a little Playmobil right, set. Right. And I was just entertained for like six or seven months until the next holiday. So season. was that the best, I was going to ask then the best present you got was, was that it? Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For me, it was, we opened, we opened our presents and then my parents said, let's go downstairs. And they got us. It was a bumper pool table. So it wasn't the full size pool table, but the bumper pool table. So it was smaller. And we were like, 
oh, how cool. You know, we thought that was a surprise. And as we were looking at it and getting ready to play, in runs this baby dog. And it was our, our oh. first dog. Yeah. Oh, oh, you got a Christmas puppy. Oh yeah. And and it was a That's amazing. It was a beagle and we named him Spike. That to me will always be this coolest because like you, we we love dogs so much. So I hope everybody, you know, gets what they want and Santa is great to you and and have a the reason for the season, yeah. opening toys when you're a kid we, and baking. And we were talking to our, our friend Diana Rossini, uh, my son Mike and I. She is she has a two-year-old, a one-year-old, and they first they got their first house, he and her husband Kevin, and they're hosting Christmas dinner for the first time for okay. like 25 to 30 people with a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And they have to host a dinner. So she is so nervous about doing, you know, the right thing and hosting. And I and she said, Mike, you know, you've been around a long time. You know, you have any advice for something like that? I said, Yeah, start drinking in the morning. I said that. <laughs> I was gonna say paper plates, yeah. paper utensils. Because yeah, you know. <laughs> honestly, the worst part about well, trying to make sure yeah. everything is like ready at the same time is very difficult. That's a skill, but cleaning up is always just the absolute. So worst. here's my thought on that, and I would I would always say, why don't we do this? And and other people be like, no, 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 you can't do it. So you know how somebody always says, oh, hey, let me help you clean up, and you say, no, 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 I got it. Say yeah. Say okay. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. that. You know, have I let somebody else yes. bring in bring in the, the dishes. You know, and maybe help clean up a little bit. Why not? You know, I, I instead of trying to be the superhero and do everything, if someone offers, take them up on it. Right? Let them help. We all, we all want to sit on the couch and watch yes. the NFL games, let or NBA games, whatever you like to watch on Christmas or Christmas Eve. Everyone chip in. Everyone contribute to the cleanup effort. There's nothing worse than being stuck in the kitchen for like three hours after dinner, cleaning up 50 plates and spoons and forks. Oh, and as you're life. cleaning up, someone yells in, hey, can you bring me another beer? Someone says, oh, yeah, I'll bring you a beer. I'm going to crack it over your freaking head, you know, is what I'm going to do. Uh, so, uh, again, we hope everybody is preparing well and has a wonderful holiday season and Christmas coming up. And But we're still knee deep in, in football, Jess. You know, I, I called the uh, Broncos at the Lions game last Saturday. Then we had a couple of big games on Sunday and Monday as well. So now we're getting to finally we have teams that are eliminated, teams that have clinched like Philly and Dallas have clinched, but still not the division title. San Francisco has clinched their division now. So we're getting knee deep into it. And uh, for again, for those that, that may be early in, in listening or watch this, Jess is a monster Pittsburgh Steeler fan. I fear, uh, I really fear about that. that for the first time, is it 18 years, I think, the streak of, of Mike Tomlin having a winning record? I fear that's in trouble. They're 7-7 seven and seven now with three more games. Jess, I have a feeling that streak's going to be broken and they're going to have a losing record. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm with you and it, it has been, the last three weeks have been so bad if you're a Steelers fan. They were first, they're in the hunt 
three weeks ago, play three teams that they should beat, the Cardinals, the Patriots, and the Colts, lose all three games in just like the most self-destructive fashion imaginable. And to be fair, you know, they're they're playing with a backup quarterback, right. but so are the Bengals. Yes. They're 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 not doing so that. The Browns. I mean, so so was Seattle last right. night. So a lot of teams, there's just been so many injuries this season, and yeah, you, you kind of just have to be able to play and not, you know, not beat yourself right. in every single game. And and they have just been so depressing to watch. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to go forward with the whole conversation about, you know, Tomlin and the coaching staff and all of that. I like Mike Tomlin. I hope he sticks around. Yeah. I know, I think his contract ends at the end of next season. And I, the Steelers do not fire coaches. They they keep coaches around for a long time. So I, I don't really know if he's on the hot seat. I don't think he is. But they definitely need to make some big changes next year because the middle of this season has just been, and the beginning of the season really has been so pathetic. Um, but in the meantime, their division rivals, the, the Bengals and the Browns, both yeah. winning with backup quarterbacks. And the Ravens look great the last month. Their offense looked incredible. And Lamar Jackson looks like he's playing in, in peak Lamar Jackson form. So that is, I, I think everyone anticipated the AFC North would be a really tough division this year. It ended up being tough, but not in the way that right. I think people thought. Agreed. But I'm interested to see how the rest of the division kind of shakes out because the, the Ravens are very much in the driver's seat. They're 11 and three right now. Um, and then behind them, you know, you've got the Browns and the Bengals still hanging in there. So right now the order is Baltimore is number one in the conference, then Miami, then Kansas City, then Jacksonville. Those are your division leaders. And then after that, it's Cleveland first in wild card. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indy are five, six, and seven with Houston and Buffalo just on the outside looking in. And Buffalo looked great uh, in their game against the Cowboys. Baltimore, they can hang out in the number one C, but it's not like it's going to be easy because coming up the, this weekend, they are there's three games on Christmas next Monday night, and they're the last game, and they're playing the 49ers. That could be a Super Bowl preview. But they play the 49ers, the Dolphins, and then finish with the Steelers. So let's see if they can hang on to the number one slot. Before we get to more of the teams at the top and, and, and what we think, there's also a decision that has to be made. By the time some people see this, the decision may have already been made. We're taping this a day before that the decision has to be made on Aaron Rodgers. They have until... Uh, Wednesday to decide if they're going to put him on the active roster. If not, he's on IR for the rest of the year. As Robert Sala has said, Aaron wants to play, and the Jets are eliminated. And Aaron has always said, I want to come back and play. So, But what's going to depend on it as well is where the team is. Well, the team is done. But you know prideful players, and I get it. Aaron has said all along, I'm going to be able to come back and play. It would be ungodly if he came back and he played. But Jess, if I were the Jets, there is no way, no way I would activate him and he would be on IR the rest of the year unless he threatens the Jets and say, I am not going to play for you next year if you don't let me play this year. Short of that, which I don't think Aaron would do, there's no way I let him go back on the field. Yeah, the entire like saga of will he or won't he play at the end of the season has been like very interesting to me because even if he has made this miracle recovery in three and a half months, there's no way he's at 100% and isn't putting himself at risk of further injury, whether it's the same Achilles or something else because, you know, Mike, you're an athlete. When you hurt something, you tend to overcompensate in other places. And, and being a quarterback, especially behind a shaky O-line, uh, you're not going to be free from taking hits. 
And so I, the whole thing has been, um, I honestly think like he really enjoys being in the spotlight and having the attention on him of, of will he or won't he play, but there's zero upside of him. Zero. Playing. There is absolutely no reason why it would make sense for him to play. Uh, you, you just said it right there. Zero. I mean, that's what we do is we calculate things, right? What are the odds of this or the odds of that? There is Risk zero yeah. upside other than for Aaron's pride and maybe ego as well that said, I did this. Nobody said I could do right. it and I did it. Get over that because you play Washington this week, which you probably wouldn't play. Next week they play Cleveland. You want to be out the on the field with that old line and Miles Garrett? I mean, are, are you serious that that's what you would want to do? So they need to not even make it an issue, not even put them on the, uh, the active roster. So And once they don't do that, he would be on IR for the rest of the year. So that would be, that would be done. Are, are we also wondering, Jess, are the Eagles done Monday night? Um, I mean, they, they end up losing to Seattle. Great drive by another backup in Drew Locke yeah. with under two minutes to go to get the win. For him. Yeah, 20 to 17. <laughs> some interesting decisions by the Eagles. I didn't understand the long pass with 13 seconds to go when you have two timeouts. Throw a couple balls in the middle of the field, kick a field goal, tie it, go to overtime. But they go for the deep ball, and it's the second interception for Jalen Hurts. We've said all year, even though they have a good record and the inside track to win the division because they play the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants, and so they control that division win. I just – nobody thinks that Philly looks like the team that got to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, and it was also a weird game because Jalen Hurts was very sick from what it sounded like before the game. They said he had a flu-like illness that wasn't the flu, so I don't – maybe COVID or a cold or something, but every time the camera showed him on the bench, he looked really, really yeah, sick, Mike. Um, so I can't really, like, blame him too much for throwing interceptions or maybe not playing his best because I, I can't imagine playing under those circumstances. But what's more concerning is that the – the Matt Patricia news. I what do you make of of that change? You know, when you have a team that's probably going to win the division and you make a change that late in the season. For those that don't know, Sean Desai was the defensive coordinator. They put him in the booth. Matt Patricia had been a defensive analyst. They put him on the field calling defensive plays. The one upside of that, at least he's calling defensive plays, like he was calling offensive plays in New England. <laughs> at least he's back to calling the side of the ball he's yeah. used to. <laughs> That, that's a red flag for sure. And as Nick Sirianni, their head coach, said, that's on me. It was my decision to do. But when a team, that's just how much pressure this team feels that even though we're leading the division, we're not playing like we should. And they're not defensively. They've had injuries in the linebacker and secondary. They struggle there, especially in the middle of the field. The D-line this last game didn't look great either. So he felt a change was needed and they lose, even though – if you got dropped down from the sky and just look at the stats of the game, Philly was basically ahead in all the stats of this game. Right. And they're and they're 10 and 4 yeah, still. Like they, they still have one of the few double digit yep. uh winning records in in the NFL right now. They they do. So again, while it all looks good and every so many teams would love to be in their position, obviously their goal is not just to get back to the Super Bowl but win it. Uh when you were there last year and you lost it and they're just not playing like that's going to happen this year, which leads to because we've had a few different names put up there for MVP of the league from Dak to Jalen at times to Brock Purdy, I think, is one of the favorites now who if you had a vote, who right now would be your MVP? 
That's a, I have absolutely no, it's such a hard question because I feel like since there is not a clear front runner right now, every single week, it's like, oh, maybe this week it's Jalen Hurts. Maybe this week it's Dak. Maybe now it's Brock Purdy. Maybe Tyree Kill. It has, like, I think my answer probably would have changed four times over the last four weeks. So I don't see how Brock Purdy's not the front runner right now because he's the quarterback on the best team in the NFL. And that's generally how I think people calculate this award. Um, but I have no, like that could change. The The Cowboys result on Sunday against the Bills, I thought was probably worst case scenario. If you're someone who was like, all right, like it's, it's Dak, right? Like it, this, that makes a lot of sense. Now I have, I just, I guess Brock he falls out, you know, Lamar Jackson ran really well, but didn't pass that yeah. great. So you wonder if he falls down. I'm going Christian McCaffrey. I'm going outside oh. the quarterback position. The last, there were four running backs since 2000 uh, to win the award. The last one was 2012 and Adrian Peterson. I, I, I asked my son, Mike, this question, and I'll ask you, who do you think if, if the 49ers players all were handed a ballot that said, who is the team MVP? Who do you think they would vote for? I, I think they would vote for Christian McCaffrey. And yeah. my thought is, if you're voting, if you're the team thinks Christian McCaffrey, and I think they think he would be, how could he not be, you know, put that would put him above Brock in their eyes for the league MVP? This guy is going to have the, the pace he's on over 2,200 yards of total offense. He's unbelievably versatile. And while Brock Purdy is number one in a lot of the stats, right, he is number one. But it's not like one of those years where you're seeing a quarterback go 35, 40, 45 touchdowns. It's not some ungodly right. amount. He is statistically. There's not a front right. runner. Yeah. He's statistically the best quarterback on the best team. That normally gets you the award unless somebody is out of their fl flipping mind with stats, which there really isn't somebody like that. He is number one, but there are other guys right around there. So I think that sets up. The, the possibility where a non-quarterback could win it because Christian McCaffrey is having a fantastic year. He is clearly, I, I don't know who would argue, the best non-quarterback in the league. Some may go Tyreek Hill, I get it, who's been nicked up a little bit lately. I, I could see him in the conversation. But if you're asking me to point to one, it's Christian McCaffrey. And I think it might be setting up to where he could get it because there's no quarterback, again, with – ungodly statistics on a better team uh, that that would take that. I, and I understand, as I said, Brock Purdy is number one in a lot of things, but not way more than everybody else. Here's a question for you, because this, like the theme of this NFL season has been that the defenses in the NFL have gotten right. really, really good. So if you had to pick a defensive player to win the MVP this year. And I, it would have been a good year for it to happen, but I think because of injuries and some individual performances, it, it won't. So I guess my question is who's your defensive player of the year or, you know, so, in a, per, in a perfect world as a former NFL defender, who would be your, MVP? a lot of times it goes to the sack guys, right? Cause you sit there, you think Duran Bland is going to get some votes he leads the league with. He's had seven pick sixes, he, right? He had five, yeah. five or six, or five, five, five pick, pick sixes. sixes to set a record. Eight interceptions overall leads the league, but a lot of times it goes to that sack guy. Right now, T.J. Watt leads the way because before the season, I think the kind of the co-favorites were Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett. I think they're arguably both considered 
the two of the best defensive players in the league. So, but you know, they're, they're not up there in sacks this year, like TJ Watt is TJ Watt leads with 16, you know, and you got to go down a little bit. Miles Garrett is seventh. Micah Parsons is eighth, you know, 13 and 12 and a half. But those are the guys you kind of have in mind. But but T.J. Watt is as well. T.J. Watt is a guy that you could always look at as, as one of the best defenders. And you wonder if you pick that, does that normally go to a team that's one of the best in the NFL? Because certainly that's not Pittsburgh uh, no. <laughs> at all. So we'll see. There's a couple more weeks. Remember, it's a regular season uh, award uh, to play out. And where that goes. I like your I like your McCaffrey pick. I, I was watching the Manning cast last night and he was on it and he was he was talking about how last year in the uh NFC championship game he was the backup 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 quarterback yes. and threw like one of the worst yeah. passes in NFL history. It was pretty funny. So uh it's it's a it's a good pick by you. We'll see if it holds up though, because again, like it I could see everything changing in another. Yeah, week. yeah, a, a top quarterback stepping up and going nuts in the last couple of weeks. We'll uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, so we'll we'll see what more movement happens in the next couple of weeks as more teams get eliminated. More teams. It always gets interesting toward the end of the year. What team locks into place? Uh, so do they start to rest players? That's that's for a couple of weeks down the road. Coming up next, we are knee deep in bowl season. Some of the wildest bowl names for some of these bowls, uh, the Toastery Bowl. I didn't even know. Famous. I didn't even famous. Toastery fam- I didn't bowl. even know what Toastery was. I didn't know it was a restaurant. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought you just toasted stuff all over the it's place. It's famous. It seems so. But bowl season and also the playoffs, where Jess and I will make our picks. That's coming up. All right, Jess. It is bowl season. It is college football season. And college sports season as well. I guess we can double down on the Texas's back at this point, right? And not for the reason yeah, y'all well, might they, be thinking. They are, <laughs> they are back-to-back national champions in women's volleyball, Mike. Uh, I watched the all of the final four matches uh, on, I guess it was last yeah. Thursday night, and then the championship on Sunday, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern. And I, it Texas... It, they dominated Nebraska and Nebraska was the favorite to win. They were like just incredibly talented, but oh my God, what a, what a match. They straight sets, three straight to sets back to back. As you mentioned, it's the third time these two met uh, for the title. And you're right. The semis were excellent. It was Nebraska a one seed against Pitt, a one seed. Texas was a two seed against Wisconsin, who was the one seed ended up Texas, Nebraska and Jermaine O'Neal's daughter is on Texas. Mm-hmm. I think it's Asia. I think her name is O'Neal. Yes. That's, that's kind of fun to see as well to when, when athletes, pro athletes, kids start showing up like Marcus Spears, good friend of ours from, from ESPN. His daughter was the number one volleyball recruit in the country. And so she's off to college next year. So it's very cool to see. And as I've always said, man, when you're a parent of now kids playing sports, and, and you played sports as well. It's it's way more nerve-wracking than when I played. Watching Mike, Jake, or Sydney do anything is way more nerve-wracking because I have no control over it when I'm on the field. At least I have control over what I do. So it's very cool to see. But congrats to Texas to get that national title. That, that, was, a, that was a great Final Four to the finals, which I guess we can say wasn't so great because they swept them. 
free love in that <laughs> Well, thing. they, yeah, they were dominating. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, Asia O'Neill, she had open heart surgery and, you know, like has this incredible story of coming back from having this heart condition. And it was an awesome championship. And I loved how I, I'm not like a huge, like I didn't grow up. I, I played a little bit of volleyball right. growing up, but I wasn't like a super competitive volleyball player. But I think volleyball is like one of the most exciting sports to watch it, when you're watching it at a high level. It's cool to see it grow and how, you know, the, the matches were sold out. Oh. Like all, the, all these games have been sold out in Tampa. So it's been cool to watch and to see how fast volleyball is growing. Remember out. when didn't then Nebraska, didn't the women play a uh, the, yeah, the game at the football, at the football stadium. stadium had 92,000 people. I mean, just, just absolutely awesome. And I wish, you know, my kids grew up in Connecticut because that's when I was at ESPN. I wish volleyball was bigger because I would have loved to seen Sydney play. Sydney was always tall. Turned out to be an excellent swimmer, played goalie in soccer for a bit, but I would have loved to seen her play volleyball uh, as well. But it just wasn't very big in Connecticut at the time, so it didn't. Because I, I love watching that sport. I think it's it's absolutely awesome. Uh, as as yeah. is college football, where I think two, four, six, we've had eight bowl games uh, that have been played. As we are, I said, knee deep into bowls now with. Um, all different bowl, the cricket celebration, the RNL carriers, the avocados from Mexico cure bowl, all the way to the latest one, which was the famous toastery bowl. Now, I want which was won by Western Kentucky in overtime over mm -hmm. Old Dominion by a redshirt freshman quarterback who is six six, who was put his name He's huge. put his name in the transfer <laughs> portal, but said I'm going to play the bowl game and then see what happens. Western Kentucky wants him back next year. But as a tight end, he's 6'6", 235. Oh. So I would expect he's going to go try and play quarterback somewhere else because if he doesn't, it doesn't work. He can always go back to Western Kentucky and play tight end. But I have to ask, before you saw the name of this bowl, and I said, Jess, what is famous toastery? Would you have any idea what that is? No, I only found out what famous toastery was because I was listening to another college football podcast last week that was like, what's a famous toastery? It turns out it's like a breakfast cafe yes. type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I, we all make fun of how silly the bowl names are. This was great uh, brand awareness for famous toastery because so many people yesterday must've been asking themselves, what is a famous toastery? And now they know it is a, it is a regional breakfast chain and it had one of the most insane college football bowl comebacks yes. of any game I've ever watched. Cause old dominion was up 28 to zero in the second quarter in Western Kentucky came back, tied it up with like 40 seconds left at the end of regulation, took it to overtime, uh, one in overtime. It was just an electric game. I, I not gonna lie. When I turned on the game after work yesterday, saw that it was 21 to zero. I had Western Kentucky in my pick them and I was immediately like, God I'm so mad at myself. I can't watch this. I'm so mad. I can't watch this. And then I turned it back on like an hour later. Cause I was like, okay, I, I want to watch college football. I don't care if it's a blowout. And and that's when the comeback started happening. So maybe this was a little bit of my, my yeah, 35, 14 going in the fourth and, uh, and Western Kentucky outscored old dominion 21 zip in the fourth quarter to take it to overtime. And just, they were throwing toast on the field after the game. <laughs> yes. And the players were doing toast angels. Like they were laying on the field, like a, doing a snow angel, so, but in like piles of So toast. unintended consequence would have been, because it was not a dome stadium they played in, if there were a bunch of birds that all of a sudden came down, 
like you were feeding pigeons at a park <laughs> or something. And a bunch of birds <laughs> flocked in and started going after the toast of what a scene that would have been. And Mike, the best part about the famous toast rebel, other than the, the come from behind win for Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, um, this was actually supposed to be the Bahamas. Yes. This yes. bowl was moved to Charlotte because I believe the Bahamas Bowl stadium is being yes, renovated. It is. Yes. So they moved it to Charlotte, got a new sponsor. Uh, so it's the first ever famous toastery bowl. And it will immediately, it has now jumped ahead of, of several other bowl games from this weekend as the best bowl game yet of bowl season. It was um, also the Bahamas Bowl was famously named the Steve Levy Bowl because when I was at ESPN, <laughs> Steve Levy, I don't know if he had it in his contract or they just did it every year. He was always the play-by-play -play guy for the Bahamas Bowl. Well, so we always got the He trip. missed out because he was not no. calling this game. I think Dave Neal no, called this game and Tom Lugan As soon as it was out, is out of the Bahamas, I'm sure he's like, well, I ain't calling it now. I'm not going to well, Charlotte. Why the hell? I've been to Charlotte. You know, I want to keep going to the Bahamas. So not out. in the Bahamas because it was under construction. So I, I think it's so wild because to try and pick these bowl games, especially now more than ever, I, I think trying to bet on these bowl, these bowl games is like trying to bet on preseason football. You don't know how long a guy is going to play because in these, A, you, you're not sure who – well, you should be able to find out by now, but there are so many – opt-outs of guys that are going to go train for the NFL, but even more opt-outs of guys that go in the portal, right? So all of a sudden you're missing tons of players or a decent amount of players on each team. I don't know. Coaches love these because you get 15 extra practices. You can play some of the young guys because the old rule used to be you could play up to four games and hold on to your red shirt, but it used to be the first four games of the season. Now it can be any four. So there are a lot of coaches that save that fourth game for young players in the bowl game to get some experience there. So that's why coaches love it. But man, what a crapshoot, Jess, in trying to pick these games because you just don't know who the hell is going to play. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky because – like you, and you also like, I, my strategy this year was go through all the opt outs, see who's starting, see how many, you know, snaps they have, especially like the quarterbacks. But I really think so much of it comes down to like the mindset of the teams too. If they're just trying to get to the end of the season or if they have something on the line in, in one of these games, I really hope that the players are still having fun in these early yeah. bowl games. I, I could see it being like, all right, like what's, what's the point of this? Like we have half of our teams in the portal or half of our team opted out or whatever. But I also could see it as maybe an opportunity yes. for some players to get to start a game that, you know, like for, I, I always go back to Notre Dame as an example, but Notre Dame's backup last year. And well, I guess not technically last right. year, he, he had started the season, but got hurt this year. Their backup who has not started a game yet. Steve Angeli will get a chance uh, to play in the bowl game. So two years in a row for Notre Dame, they have a different player finishing the season than starting the bowl game and getting an opportunity to show the coach what they can do and, and you know, how they might play as a starter. So there's definitely some opportunities there. But at the same time, it's like, how much are you really going to gauge this player's, uh, you know, talent when yeah. their entire offensive line right. is isn't going to the NFL or in the portal too. So it's very tricky as a fan. Uh, the games are still fun to watch. Like there's always something goofy happening. Like the app state game 
uh, against Miami. There were like 13 turnovers or something crazy like that. It was just back and forth the entire game. Um, so there's always something something wacky happening, which is generally why. To I your point, and it. we'll use Notre Dame as the example, but there are plenty of other teams out there. Steve Angeli finally gets to start. Hey, good luck to you. Both your offensive tackles opted out. Your center, who had been there most of the year, transferred out. Your number one back and one of the top backs in the country is out as well. And I think at least three of your wide receivers are in the portal. Go get them, kid. I mean, go get them. But the flip side, you're playing against a team that also has thing. a lot of right. starters in the portal yep. too. But again, like I, I can't imagine like scouting talent based off of the bowl games. Agreed. But hopefully. There's something in it for the players. They're still having fun. They're getting a trip out of it, or, or they get another chance to play with their team before they graduate, or whatever the reason is. But um, as a fan, still hopefully fun. they get still hopefully they it. get good swag bags. I'm not sure what the famous toastery bowl gave out as a swag bag, but you know maybe maybe Toast. we can find that or a toaster. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but again, I'll use Notre Dame as the example. But, Air but, fryer. but this oh yeah, but but this That'd will happen in a lot of places. How do you develop a quarterback anymore? So we just mentioned Steve Angeli the last couple of years, you know, was was not even second team two years ago, uh, back up this year. Good to get the start in the bowl game and then, you know, be, be ready to play again. Notre Dame went to the portal, got Sam Hartman, and now to the portal again in Riley Leonard. And while they may say it's an open competition, th- this is kind of like free agency now. Riley Leonard's getting paid, right? And he's going to come to Notre Dame. He's going to make some money. So – he would have to, I think, fall on his face to not be the starter here. So how do you develop a guy that you brought in and recruited, in this case, like a Steve Angeli, when you're bringing in, for lack of a better term, hired guns for a year? And, and I'm just using Notre Dame because we have the situation now. But as I said, this happens at a lot of schools right now. So how do you develop them to the point where a guy like Steve may say, you know what, I'm out. You keep bringing in people yeah. to go in front of me, I'm out of here. You know, so wh- who's the next one to develop? You look at the top prospect quarterback is Dylan Riola. And, and I, I call games for his father, Dominic Riola, who played at Nebraska and then in the NFL, especially with the Lions for a number of years. His kid's a top quarterback in the, in the high school. He's been to like three or four high schools. He was out here 20 minutes from me, Jess, at Pinnacle Peak High School. But before the season started, they moved to Georgia because he committed to Georgia to play high school ball in Georgia. He has just decommitted from Georgia, and he's going to go to his father's alma mater and play under Matt Rule at Nebraska. And so because I don't – and I don't know the reason. Is he getting a lot more money at Nebraska? Is – did he get – scared off the wrong word. But Carson Beck, the quarterback of Georgia, said he's coming back next year for his senior year. So – did yeah. he want to? Is there? Is it just the simple answer of like it's a, it's a family connection? It, but, right? but if it was a family connection, why wouldn't he go there right away? I mean, you know, yeah. instead Georgia, high profile, you're going to get a lot of great players around you. You may have to sit the first year, like an Arch Manning in Texas. So we may have to sit another year with Quinn Ewers coming back. So did he not want to sit that one year? It's it's such. But as Mike, my son Mike pointed out, and he's right, Dylan Riola can go to Nebraska. If things don't work out there, he can transfer back to Georgia if Georgia wants him. I mean, you have that option now to do, but I guess it goes back to what I started with, Jess, is how do you develop quarterbacks that you have you have recruited? Because 
A, they have the option to leave when they want, and B, you as a team and a school have an option to bring in other quarterbacks as like one-hit wonders. Right, and it's a unique position because you're only going to be playing one, whereas like you could be one in a room full of another right. position yes. group and still get an opportunity to, to play more. Um, I think that especially because of the COVID eligibility year, this is like about as crazy of yeah. a quarterback cycles as as we might get because you have players that can take like a fifth or even a sixth year because they got that freebie year. Maybe they took a redshirt year. Maybe they were, you know, got a medical year, whatever the reason is. Um, so this has been a pretty crazy quarterback cycle. But like you said, I think it's a really hard balance for a for a program to have, you know, you, you want to focus on bringing in a top recruiting class because right. you want to have good players and constantly have new talent coming into your program. But you also are in the mindset every single year as a head coach, we have to win right. now, right? Like, and not every team's going to win every single game. It's, that's very difficult to do, but the pressure is so high on coaches to immediately de deliver results. I mean, we experienced this at no as Notre Dame fans last two seasons, Notre Dame's last three, three games this year, four games last year. And it's like, all right, like, you know, let's, let's, right. let's get, let's get it together. When are we going to go undefeated? When are we going to make the playoff? When are we going to do this? The pressure is immediately on when you're especially a, a power five coach, but even, even the group of five coaches have the same pressure on them. It's just, you know, a little bit of a, a different kind of pressure sometimes. So I don't know. I, I, it's just really hard to strike that balance. And I think it's, it's probably very difficult if you're a 17 year old trying to decide what school, you know, what quarterback room you want to be in, um, who, what offensive coordinator you want to play for, what head coach you want to play for. And then all of a sudden you find out that they get a guy in the portal who's going to be coming in the same time as you. Maybe that dissuades you. Maybe you believe that you're talented enough that you'll win the starting job when you're ready. And when, you know, you get, you know, the chance to, to play for it or to compete for it. It's just tough, man. I, I really don't know what the answer is, but I think finding that balance, the best teams are going to be able to do it. And they're going to have an answer. And maybe the the answer every year for certain teams is get a guy in the portal, cough up whatever it costs for a, a portal quarterback. Um, some years you might hit, some years you might not. Some years you might get a, a guy in the portal that doesn't, you know, it's not the answer for you. It's just really uh, a, a difficult, difficult rope to, uh, a difficult tightrope to walk, I guess. Sometimes players make too quick a decisions or too many decisions and move around too much. Look at Dante Moore, the freshman quarterback at UCLA. He had originally committed to Oregon, decommits, goes to UCLA, and now goes in the portal and is going back to Oregon. So, what? And he's not probably going to start next exactly year because right. Oregon got a, another they quarterback, did. Dylan uh, Gabriel from, from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, who's probably going to so start. So you yeah. wonder the decisions that are made. Are you trying to outthink yourselves? Are you making too many decisions? And then for the coaches, you're right. You can win every year by bringing in experienced players, especially at the quarterback position. So it seems like schools, they probably already are, are hiring people who are like GMs, you know, and looking at the talent in the portal uh, to see where we're going to go. Because what used to be 25, 18-year-old recruits in your signing class is now 12 of those and 12 portal guys, you know, to, to get to your 85 scholarships. It's been... 
it's it's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Have, I mean, that's why they get most of them get paid a lot of money, Mike, because they're managing all of these different groups of people and then their staffs. And then you have a staff member maybe leaves and then you have to hire a new one and then you have to call your recruits and be like, hey, everything's fine. Yep. We got this new guy. You're going to meet him. Everything's OK. Don't leave. But if you do leave, we have a list of players that maybe will replace you. Like, it's just absolutely mind boggling to me. And I think uh, if if college football sounds chaotic to people that are just kind of casual fans, I feel like it's so much worse than that. Yes. It's like the most chaotic it's ever been. And I'm not saying it's all bad or a step in the, in the wrong direction. Um, but it is definitely as crazy from a roster ton- turnover perspective as it's ever been, which is why full season yeah. is just bananas. And it's crazy to come, you know, I'm sure a lot of coaches hate it, but no sense in complaining about it because it, we are where we are and you have to learn it's adapt or die. Yeah. You know, you have you have right. to deal with it. But there is one thing, and, and he's said it for a while now, and I wonder your thoughts, and and I wonder what the domino effect would be. Chip Kelly, the, the head coach at UCLA, I agree a thousand percent, Jess, with what he said. And we've been saying this for a little while now, but there's just no leadership to take charge of this. He has said, make football separate from the other sports. He's, he even used Notre Dame. He said, Notre Dame is independent. They play a schedule every year. Make all Division I teams independent. Power five schools independent. Make them all one division. Make group of five teams another division. You know, everybody's independent. And he even talked about schedules, play seven on the West Coast, then pick like, you know, five on the East Coast. And the next year, five from the South, five from the Midwest, whatever. He laid it out there pretty well. And I think that's a great idea, just because football is separate than everything else. It is the moneymaker and they don't give a damn about the other athletes. They just, all these schools have just easily made decisions that are going to make USC and UCLA baseball players and softball players fly to Rutgers or Rutgers fly out West. I mean, that's what they're doing, you know, for, for uh, who was it? Stanford and Cal, they're going even further East to the ACC. It's a joke. It's a com- Atlantic coast it's, powers. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cal, yeah. It's a complete, joke that they just don't give a damn about the other athletes because of the almighty dollar and almighty football. So while this can work, I look at it from those players, the the non-football player side of it and said, if we ever do get to this, football's never going to be hurt. Football's never going to lose, right? No matter what. So if we do go to the system where all the, the, the football is separate, would you bring back the conferences? So as Chip Kelly said, UCLA softball should be traveling to Arizona to play uh, Arizona softball. I would hope, I wonder if it would go back to what it was for those non-football athletes. I think if you ended up making like these big mega conferences, like he's saying, and even if you don't, it just makes sense to do regional scheduling right. for college sports, like the strain that it's going to put on budgets, on players, on coaches to be traveling cross country this many times in a season. I mean, for a sport like football, sure, you have six away games. It's maybe it's not that much. Maybe you have like four long trips in a season. That's not that many trips. That's more than I would want to make as a as a person who's not in right. school. But if you're playing another sport like basketball, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I, I also think that there was a... Um, There was a lawsuit in Oregon filed where 32 female athletes filed a Title IX lawsuit against Oregon saying that the male athletes at Oregon 
predominantly the football team, they're getting more opportunities than the female students and the female athletes. And that is a violation of Title IX. So that I think is going to be an even bigger thing and push in the spotlight now because it is unequal because all of these resources go into football. Understandably, the rosters are ginormous. They make tons of money. They're They've got these TV rights deals worth billions of dollars. The sport is, I mean, I watched four quarters of the famous toaster yeah. bowl last night between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion because I love college football. And I think there's a lot of fans out there that do too. Um, and so something's got to give Chip Kelly, I thought touched on a lot of things in his rant or, or, or I guess statement, whatever you want to call it in the press conference after he won the star co-brands LA yeah. bowl hosted by Gronk against Boise yeah. state. And I, I think it's, it's good that generally that coaches are starting to speak up about these things. Cause they're, they're going to be yep. traveling and yeah, to all these are. places too. They I don't are. think they want to do it either. <laughs> all right, Jess. Uh, next time we get together, it'll be after the playoffs. Uh, at least the semis have been played. So let's in this last minute or so that we have make our picks. In the Rose Bowl, it is going to – well, let's start in the Sugar. Washington and Texas, what looks to be a high-scoring game with these offenses. Uh, who you like in this one? I think I like Texas. I think I like Texas. I don't want to pick against Washington because they've been like my my darling all season. But I think Steve Sarkeesian's a good coach. They've got a incredibly talented roster in a lot of the position groups that I think matter that slightly edges out Washington's. Um, I do think it'll be close, though. I, I think Washington will score a lot of points. I, uh, I'm going to go with Washington. I picked them in the beginning of the year to make it in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with them. 2,000-yard receivers again like they had last year, led by Rome Adunzi. And what Michael Penix Jr. has done, I think it's been fantastic. Their defense had been a little shaky. They really played well in the Pac-12 title game. I did not think. Uh, I thought Oregon up to that point was playing better than them in Texas. I, I, I knew it was going to beat Oklahoma State the, the way they were playing in the Big 12. But I'm going to lean on the, the offense of Washington. I think this is a game that can go back and forth. Maybe who has the ball last? I would take the over in this one. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. So you take Texas, I'm taking Washington. Lastly, in the Rose Bowl, you have uh, Michigan and uh, Alabama. And you could see Michigan's kind of collective faces when Alabama got in as the number <laughs> four, like Damn, we were hoping it would be Florida no. State. Who are you liking this one? I'm going to do the emotional hedge and pick Michigan because as a Notre Dame fan, I don't want them to play for a national title. But um, I do think that they're very talented. And if I'm wrong, then that's great. We get to watch Tommy Reese duel it out against either Texas or Washington in the national title game. So emotional hedge pick Michigan. Yeah, I'm going to go with Alabama. It's just so tough when they're in it. Opposites, yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, it's so tough to go into Nick Saban. Jalen Milrow has really come along to where Tommy Reese, their OC, it was tough to get a passing game going. And then as the season went on, that got a little better. Both these teams run the ball well. The game could be an hour and a half, where the Texas-Washington could be four-hour game. This one could be an hour and a half with the running that goes on and the clock uh, going to keep going. So I'm going to pick Alabama. So I have Alabama-Washington in the title game. You have Texas. Michigan, I love it that we've gone oppo on this. That's very, very cool. Ooh, me too. Maybe we'll split it and we'll we'll both be right. Both, and both be, wrong. be wrong. There you go. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. Jess, I'll be sending the present I bought you. I know we uh, the thousand uh, dollar limit we had. I stayed right at that. So uh, I'll be <laughs> I'll be too. sending mine yeah. out to you. So I look forward Sounds to getting uh, you know a bag of cookies from you. <laughs>